It's the Page Avenue Crew Podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Dan. Josh. I'm Brian. Sup? We're high on life. I like you, Brian. You're pretty cool. Thanks, Don. I was going to do another Alice in Chains song, but the music cut out. I know. Why don't you just do it right now? Uh, it's, yeah, it's better it's acapella anyway. Nah, man, it's too late. Oh, hold on. Here you go. Hold on. I got you. Into the flood again. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? Oh, it's uh, so good. It's, uh, it started laughing. The old tribute was back then. <laughs> Josh yes. Wills, lead vocals. <laughs> I always throw up the assist to you. Uh, Finish it for me. Hey, Dan went from drums uh, to vocals. So you can do it too. Uh, What's everyone having the, for a drink? How the fuck? How, what? How? 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 <laughs> We're so good at Zoom. Zoom right over to your house and do this podcast. I'm gonna zoom oh, right up your butt yeah. with my finger. Oh gosh, yeah, it's gonna smell great. Hey, I'm a, I'm about to see what it's like to fuck a stranger in the ass. Oh, what? To meet a stranger in the Alps. That either means to you're know. watching the Big Lebowski or porn. You're watching the Big Lebowski right yeah, now it's on my t- while you're podcasting. It's on my TV. On the TV. Dang. Cool, man. Good it's job. Tight scoop. Hey, man, I got yeah. all the technology over here. Technology. You have a computer and a TV. Damn. <laughs> yeah. No man. one has two TV sets. <laughs> must be rich or something. Uh, so, what you guys been doing? Living La Vida Loca. <laughs> Trying not to watch the news. <laughs> no, man, the news has been sweet the past the week. News. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, part of it's fucking sweet. News was sweet. I'd be hanging out at your basement right now. Yeah, that part of the news is still not sweet. Looks like a damn hockey stick. That's the most news I've watched uh, this week in like in like three years. Yeah, I, don't, no I generally don't watch it either. It's fucking depressing, man. I have not watched news in years. You used to watch all the news, though. That was your shit. I know. Do you know how last week we were talking about how we'd work with movies, like how I'd write with movies on, like, mute? Mm-hmm. I would, I had, like, CNN on in my house all morning, all night, just with the volume off, just why I did shit. Morning, noon, night. Every day. That's all I do, mate. I'm not a good citizen anymore. I think you're all right. You lose, you lose. I generally stay away from it until the past couple, like, week or so, and then... I turned it off yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. but my mother-in-law lives with me and she constantly watches the news. So like, I'll come in the house and, did you hear what they said today? I'm like, no, I didn't really want to listen to it today. <laughs> just start acting like you don't hear her and just walk in with headphones or just no blue glaze. <laughs> Do you think you're going to have sex with your mother-in-law? Oh uh, God, Ryan. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You're going to take Polaroids and hide them in a, like a, a false bottom uh, in a drawer in your that desk. sucks. Where you keep your cigarettes? Doesn't she have an oxygen machine or something? No, like something. No, my on. dad does though. <laughs> oh, Speaking right. of cigarettes, no, my dad has my dad has that because he had COVID. So I'm sorry for laughing. I'm just laughing because Adam said he's gonna poke a hole in it and stick cigarettes in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, oh, uh, pops has it though. You know what I'm saying? The Rona. He'll be good though. I, I guess with emphysema and all that stuff. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Oxygen tanks. Oh, that's brutal. Oh. God, that's brutal. Hey, guess uh, we got to tell the people that we have a guest uh, guest star this week. Guests! Let's give them an intro and then let's bring them on. This is our third guest and also <laughs> the third Steve. <laughs> Fourth guest, but the last three in a row. Right. The fucking Steve cast. So another week has gone by and uh, we have found another friend named Steve. And uh, I'm going to hit admit on this and we're going to talk to him right now. Let him in, gatekeeper. I'm going to admit that I'm going to let him on. Tight. Here we go. Oh, Stevie A. 
He's, conne- oh. he's connecting to audio. Oh, he's connecting. He's connecting oh. to audio. It's our boy Steve Aiello. I was going to say, I guarantee he's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like our third week in a row, we have a, another guest named Steve. But this time, it's a really good Steve. The other ones are pretty good, too. But <laughs> hey, fuck those other Steves. I never liked them. <laughs> this week, we have our friend Steve Aiello, who is currently in 30 Seconds to Mars, but we know him from touring together in a band named Monty R.I., which a lot of our fans will remember. Fuck yeah. Hi, Steve. Guys. It's Steve. I feel great right now. I just like looking at Ryan. Is that that bad? Can I just look (laughs) at him? Because he just seems so stoked right now, and I'm stoked to see him. Yeah, I mean, I guess fuck up. No, I'll tell you why I'm stoked, man, because you're like, you're, I mean, I know I speak for the rest of the dudes too, but like, you're just a special, you're just like a special dude, man. Like, you just have this vibe about you. Um, we actually, Dan and I, uh, well, we were all on on here. We were talking about we, we tried to get you in our in our band uh, a long time ago. We never told you that. Wait, really, when was like, that? Don't worry about it. Uh, oh shit! Okay, okay. No, we were going to be in our band if you, whether or not you liked it. <laughs> That's pretty tight. So, did you guys like? Did you ever tell Adam that, or what, how did that work? <laughs> you want to be in our band now? That's fine. Yeah, let's do it, guys. We don't make any money. By the way, we're never going to be able to record an album because if this is any indication, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How good we are at yeah. this podcasting connection thing. Yeah. Holy shit. We should just tell people we, we did like 15 minutes of a podcast before this, <laughs> but Steve doesn't know how to work anything. <laughs> so it, it did. <laughs> I just learned what a microphone work. was. Yeah. Fuck. So we're starting nowhere. Oh, my God. But yeah, uh, dude, what's. But let, let's just start, start from the beginning. Like, what is your birthday situation there? What's your origin story? Your blood type? <laughs> yeah. No, like, what's your, what's like this pandemic? Like, how's it been for you? Like, what's your quarantine like in California? Because I know California, like, we're in the middle of the country. Shit's a little different <laughs> out on the uh, coast where you're at. So, like, yeah. What's different, man? Yeah. Like, it's weird, it man. It's weird out here. Like, I feel, uh, to be totally honest, um, it sounds kind of weird, but uh, in the beginning, and through like the summer, it, things for me were kind of a little bit business as usual. And um, I, I think that California, obviously in the beginning, everyone was like really hit hard, right? And it was a, such a shock to people. But um, I think as the summer rolled on, you know, warm out and uh, in certain parts of, you know, Southern California, people just didn't care at the time. It's very bizarre. Obviously, you guys have lived here before and you've spent time here before. Um, but I don't know if you've ever spent time in certain counties that are a little bit outside of LA, but it is much different. Um, uh, I think it was a little bit business as usual for people in the summer, but right now it's a little scary. And I think, I think the thing about it is when you start hearing, uh, little, you know, murmurs in the music industry of when you're trying to set up sessions or work with artists and when their managers are like very strict about getting tested, they were in the beginning, it kind of fell off during the summer, but right now it's really starting to pick back up and that's when you realize, oh shit's getting real. And the thing is, aside from the uh, pandemic, uh, it's really changed out here in the last handful of years. A lot of things on fire. Everything's on fire. <laughs> like it's, it's so crazy. I will say, like, I, I don't, I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer. I think people are still hopeful and people are, are feeling, um, especially after this past weekend, people have a lot of uh, hope. My whole neighborhood was, like, raging this weekend. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, very, 
it's uncertain, I guess is probably the best way to put it. And it's, it's had its ups and downs, probably like you guys had where you are um, the whole time. But I don't know, I think people feel good right now, but the, the COVID thing has definitely changed things in a lot of ways. It's know? real as fuck. And people get worn out and start to act like it's not. And then it spikes back up and then it's back down. You know, it's like, it's a goddamn roller coaster until there's a vaccine. That's the thing, right? It's the ups and downs of this whole thing that make it even more jarring for a lot of people. Um, that's the hard, I think that's the, one of the hardest parts about it. So, yeah, so Steve's been for the last, what, seven? How, how long have you been doing 30 Seconds to Mars? It's like seven, eight years, right? Seven years, yeah. Coming up on seven eight. years. Damn. Okay. So, in that time, dude, you're like, you're one of the few people on Instagram. Like, I don't, Go, scroll through my feed like I haven't done that shit in like years but I'll just every once in a while I'll go like search people out and you're on that small list of people I, I like really like to follow along like Steve's in Rome oh cool Steve's in Italy blah blah so like with the with 30 seconds to Mars like you've done so much traveling over the years what's it like to just be home right now and like not knowing when you're gonna be able to tour again and like I mean that's shit's different right yeah I mean for me um I really like, I enjoy being home. So, uh, because I'm traveling so much, right? I think, uh, this is just my personal experience, but I mean, I love being on tour. I love traveling so much. I love playing live. And I, you know, I, I get, I get highs from doing that, right? Like we, you guys know that we all get that feeling. Um, but for me, I do love being home. And the other thing for me is the, is the songwriting and the producing and all that stuff. Like to me, that's where my heart truly lies. So being back in LA, the hub of all of that, um, is very exciting for me. And I get to feel a little bit more like settled and not feeling like I'm running around everywhere. So uh, it's, it's good in terms of health, you know, mental health, physical health, everything. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find it to be yeah, like, yeah. A, um, like almost like a spiritual place in a way for me, you know, and I love to cook. I love spending time with my wife, you know, so it's just like it's very simple here and I really enjoy that. So um I forgot what your question was, but I think I answered it. No, I just like it's like, what's it like to just be touring at the rate that you guys tour and at the frequency, you know, like that you, that's a lot of traveling you've done. Just like all of a sudden COVID happens and no one's traveling, you know? I feel like right now it was good because the album, the last album came out two years ago and it just so happens that we're not on an album cycle year. So for people listening, obviously the year you put out your record you know, you're touring for the majority of that year and probably for a lot of the year following that too. Um, and so this year falls, you know, two and a half years later. And it's funny, I was just talking to Jared like a month ago and he's, you know, just very grateful. And we were talking about how grateful we are that um, not just that we're healthy and a lot of people we know are healthy and safe, but also that we weren't starting embarking on a journey where we had all these people working with us, the crew, the venues, like the people who worked at the venues and were, you know, relying on the business. All of us were, would be relying on the business if we were to embark on that thing. And luckily we weren't doing that this year um, because it could have been just psychologically, emotionally, just, you know, hurtful and bad, put people in a bad place. I know many people who have been in that and my heart goes out to them, but uh, yeah, I guess it's, just fortunate in that sense. So it came to a screeching halt, but it feels nice to kind of slow down a bit because the last three years from me personally were some of the busiest. So being home for the first time in a while 
and also being quarantined, I know most people were really concerned about getting enough toilet paper. You couldn't find rice anywhere. You couldn't find Clorox wipes. How many pounds of dry pasta did, did you have going in, knowing that the, the <laughs> lockdown w- was happening? Let me tell you something, all right? <laughs> Let me just say something, okay? Let me just say something. First of all, I buy flour, okay? I'm not some jabroni that buys this dry pasta, okay? Oh, shit. I make the Ah. pasta. I am the pasta. Makes that shit from scratch, son. (laughs) Yeah, how many burlap sacks of semolina wheat do you have in your basement? Dude, I know we're joking, but it's actually not a joke. My brother called me because I think you guys, or Adam at least, is familiar with my brother and how intense he is. Yeah, he smashed his face. He calls me one day. He's like, yeah. bro, bro, get everything you need because tomorrow it's about to hit the fan. <laughs> and so I literally yeah. went down the street and went to a restaurant that was closed, but they were doing like takeout. I said, how many pounds of flour can I buy from you? <laughs> and they were super confused. They were so confused. And the guy was just like, I think we're just maxed out at like two pounds. I'm like, I'll take it, bro. Please give it to me. We, we still have some of it. But yeah, yeah, that, that was my move. You called it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Dude, I honestly thought of you because there was a, there's a podcast, like a science podcast that I've listened to for like 15 years. And they were talking about right when everything started. They're all from New York and like uh, Connecticut area. Half of them are super Italian. And they were talking about how much like the the CDC recommends you keep in your house, how much food just in case, you know. And the one dude whose name is Steve, the host is like, he's like, yeah, I mean, at any given time, I've got like 20, 30 pounds of dry pasta. So it's like not a thing and really in my house. And I immediately thought of you. Dude. It's so funny because me and my wife were talking about it and I'm like, we're not going to be like these other people. We're going to be prepared. If all we have is water and flour, we're good. Like we don't need anything else. That's all we need. Yeah. That's great. Dude, so have you been like able to write and produce and like, have you been able to stay busy during quarantine? Like how's that been for you? Yeah, it's weird. In the beginning of this whole thing, so many songwriters we're kind of like fighting against the Zoom thing. And I get it, right? It's hard to be creative when you're remote. It's not the easiest thing in the world. But the way I looked at it was um, we have no other option. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of people, and I think they, they made the right call, but a lot of the guys that were in the top tier and, and women too were in the top tier position of writing and producing were kind of encouraging the community as a whole to like not do in person, um, which obviously was the right move. Uh, but... People, I think, were just very hesitant to adopt the whole the whole thing, and uh, I felt like if I slowed down, it would be kind of the the death of it. You know what I mean? If you slow down too much, it's not good. Um, It would be like at like before the last round in Rocky Four when Drago says "You're dead." It'd be like that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I didn't get it until now. <laughs> now I get it. Well, we brought you here to write a song, so let's do it. All right. <laughs> let's uh, go, man. It's key of D. Uh, <laughs> it's been actually super busy during this time, which is which is interesting. A lot of, like I said, a lot of people couldn't, didn't want to adopt it. Then they were like, oh, shit, we got to jump on board. So um, it, a lot of people were jumping in. And the interesting thing is I thought the whole industry was going to slow down, especially as far as artists cutting outside songs or wanting to collaborate, but a unique thing sort of happened where um, because a lot of artists can't cut their own vocals at home, 
and they can't write on their own, they kind of were willing to take <laughs> chances on other, uh, I don't know, up and coming writers and producers and everything. So a lot of, a lot of people were getting new opportunities uh, and they could jump in the room with maybe a bigger artist that they couldn't before uh, or a songwriter. Hey, speaking of working with songwriters, you know, our band writes songs. You know that. <laughs> you guys want to rip? Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, we're going to make some new music sooner than later. We're bros. I'm in. I'm totally in. Hey, Steve, have you have you been in a songwriting situation where you're like, you've been like intimidated by, like, have you worked with somebody that's like at a caliber that it's intimidating? Like you're like a little bit of starstruck, a little bit of like, damn, I'm in a room with this person. Um, Yeah. It's it's tough to say because like we worked with Halsey on the last record, but she was more um, very inviting and cool. So it wasn't as big of a star as she is. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, she made you feel like super, you know, down to earth. She's also a Jersey girl who's a paisan. So <laughs> you know, I'm I, you know me and her were just like kicking it off. You know, she's super cool. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's been a lot. Ever work with like Big Head Todd and the Monsters or anything? (laughs) (laughs) Big Blue Monkey. Um, Yeah, like Big Blue Monkey. uh, No, dude, you know who was was very intimidating actually, but it wasn't a studio situation, was uh, Lindsey Buckingham. So me and Jared did a a Music Cares event in New York City a couple of years ago, which is this great thing where uh, they provide services for people in the music industry who have addiction problems and other, other health issues. And everyone there... Um, everyone comes there and puts on a concert and everyone who works there to put the show on all donates their time. No one gets paid from the grips to the uh, stage manager to the performers. No one gets paid. So um, every year they honor um, like a legendary musician. And the year we did it was uh, Fleetwood Mac. And so they asked Jared to, to do a song. So me and him went up and, and did like a Southern Baptist version of a, uh, a Fleetwood Mac song. And we had like a huge, like 20 person choir behind us. And when I showed up, I totally faked it till I made it. Cause I did not, I didn't know what I was walking into. I had no idea what was happening. I walk into Radio City Music Hall, Fleetwood Mac's playing on stage. And then I walk up the center aisle and this legendary uh, uh, music director, Don Waz, who's worked at the Beatles. And uh, he's a legend in the music industry. He's like, hey man, Stevie, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I love the demo you sent for this Music Cares event. I love the version you guys are going to do. It's sick. No way. I'm like, thanks, man. I go, thanks, man. He goes, get up there, man. Do your thing. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're up in like 15 minutes. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. He's like, I think Lindsay's going to join you. I'm what? like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was not in the plan. <laughs> this is not in the plan. Whoa. And I was so tired. But also, he gave me confidence with how calm he was. And how cool he was. So being tired in combination with him giving me like the green light, I just walked up on stage like I own the fucking place. <laughs> and it's Lindsey Buckingham's uh, two gu- backup guitarists come right up to me. These guys are like legendary rock uh, guitarists who have been in, been in forever. They're in their 70s. And they're like, hey, man, like this is going to be awesome. And I was like, oh, shit. And then Lindsey walks right <laughs> up and he's like... What's going on? He's like, show me what you were doing on the guitar. I want to figure this out. And there's an amazing photo that I have that I have to get blown up of me, Jared, and Lindsay in like a circle. And I'm showing him what I'm doing on guitar. Wow. And uh, 
it scared the shit out of me. I was not prepared for this moment in any way. Wow, but dude. luckily it went okay. He was like, you know what? I've been playing this song for 60 years my way. And I don't know if I could relearn the song. So you guys do it. And I'm going to watch from the side of the stage. And we were like, cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's that's sounds, That sounds like probably like how Adam felt when he met me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, no. Okay. So speaking of Jared, um, what... What like I just have to ask like what what is your guys' dynamic like what's your chemistry like with that guy like how is it being in a band with Jared Leto I I love it he is um, like he's the hardest working person I know he is very generous and he's been uh, very good to me as far as giving me the ball to kind of run with it and uh, he pushes me to to test my limits he he's very smart. You know, he's a super smart guy. Not bad looking either. He's a handsome son of a gun. <laughs> I see a couple of handsome guys on the screen right now. Well, um, oh, hey. Josh, don't sit like that, man. Come on. You know how you get me going. Get me <laughs> feeling some know, kind of way. I can almost see up your shorts right now. It's good. I'm just relaxing. Like that painting of Burt Reynolds. <laughs> we, we all know what's up there. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I actually really, it's so interesting because for the listeners, I was in a band called Monty R.I. where I was the front man. And uh, I was in the band with, like, my closest friends from growing up. And this is such a different experience because I'm coming into something that's already established for 15 or 20 years. And I'm the other guy, you know? Yeah. That's how the dynamic completely starts. I'm the other guy. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just there. And they were, they were doing their thing because they were, uh, as soon as I joined, it was like the beginning of an album cycle. So they were always traveling and doing press. So I never really had interactions with everyone. But it's interesting, I think the way I operated in the beginning was like, I'm just here to do my job, you know, give me feedback on, or what, tell me what you want me to do or need me to do. And of course I'm gonna take initiative if I need to do something. But it was very much like, uh, yes, you're doing, like Jared's gonna tell you when you're doing something wrong, basically. And you know, if he ever had feedback, it was done. I figured it out and it was done. So it was very much like that kind of relationship. And then slowly, it kind of grew into more of a creative one, uh, more of a creative conversation. And then, yeah, then we grew even closer from making the record. So we would spend Thanksgiving together. And um, like even my wife would come, we'd go to Yosemite and climb or go to Joshua Tree and climb. We just went earlier this year. So it's, it's been pretty awesome. And he's, he's opened up a lane for me uh, always within the band. So um, it's kind of provided me opportunities to like write and produce and do all different kinds of stuff. So it's been really good. That's awesome. It was really interesting to me, or like when you first joined the band, thinking about what the dynamic would be like, because in Monty R.I., yeah, you were the front man, but you guys were also the kind of band where like everyone did a lot. Every member like kind of had their roles and like whether it was Borstein, like, you know, making duplicate backups of your hard drives or, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Justin was like the designer, you know, Ryan played like fucking six different instruments. You guys all really had your shit. So you were this like ensemble of a band, um, even though you were the front man. And then you, you join a band that very much is about one dude, even though his brother's in the band, it was like very centered around this, like one dude. And then you're in the back. So that was interesting to think about you going into that, but it also reminds me of something you told me like around that time before that, actually, when you were the band had kind of broken up, you know, Monty R.I. had broken up and you were wanting to just go full force as a songwriter. And I remember you telling me that you were like the one who was still going to go for it. 
and still going to pursue music as your career. And Mike, pronounced Mike, was uh, <laughs> was like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're almost 30 or whatever it was at the time. He's like, just get a job, dude. Like, we we tried for a long time. Maybe it's time to hang it up, you know? And you're like, no, fuck that. And then a couple years later, you're in fucking 30 Seconds to Mars. And I remember, like, silently from a distance just being so pumped for you and wanting to call Mike and just be like, he didn't hang it up, bro. Look what happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty sick. That makes me feel so good that you had my back. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I don't remember if it was Mike or not, but I do remember at the time. Wait, how do you pronounce like, his name again? <laughs> it's Moik. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Moik. I'm sorry. I just love it. But, yeah, it's at the at the time, I was just starting songwriting, yeah. And a bunch of my friends were at like a wedding and um, there was a lot of like chatter. I I wasn't at the wedding because I was in L.A. um, on my first writing trip. And um, I remember I got word after that. It was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like you're never going to do this, man. It was like it was I'm sure it was out of, you know, sincere. You guys know what this is like. I'm sure you've you've been through this maybe i'm i'm guessing but like people are like i I hope you can do it yeah hope you can do it and it's just it's out of love you know it's out of love Mm -hmm. but it got me so pissed back in the day and and extremely motivated and some days like i was telling my wife like a year ago i was like i need that again i need i sometimes you work out of fear sometimes you work out of anger sometimes you work out of love sometimes you you know different things motivate you and sometimes when I get when I get a little angry, it motivates me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was like a really pivotal time because I was like, "Fuck it, nothing." Like I can't be stopped now. I need to go. You know what? Quincy Jones, I think, said one of the best things to be is underestimated, and it like couldn't couldn't be more true. I know it was true for him, but I feel I feel the same way. Like I want to be underestimated. You know, so I can fuck people up. Hopefully. That's why, dude. Yeah. That's why you went to Moscow and said, you know, you'd fight for no money. That's why you grew out that beard. That's why you agreed to train in that barn. You know what I'm saying? That's why I would not stop pursuing Adrian in the bird shop. <laughs> that's why you run through the Russian mountains in a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Steve. I feel like if it if it wasn't 30 seconds to Mars, it would have been a different situation. You would eventually have found your way into like producing and songwriting like you're doing right now like you're 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 that kind of spirit you're that kind of attitude like that kind of dude like it's it was gonna happen for you regardless you know and that was like for like for me just like part of the um like i remember let's talk about my tr for uh, for a couple minutes um yeah so adam adam introduced us to your band and i remember you guys coming onto the bus on warp tour and us meeting you guys and everything and it took like five minutes and five minutes within like knowing you and I knew you were that personality type, like even back then, you know? Yeah, and this was like, like 2003 or three four. or four. Yeah, how did we meet? I don't really remember this. How did this happen? I think it was 2004. I'll tell the story real quick if you want to just as a sidebar. Just to wrap up my thought, like I just, I, I could see that fucking, what is it? It's like almost 20 years ago. Like I could see that about your personality and your work ethic and how much you like you know, I felt kind of like a kindred spirit a little bit. Like you were the dude in your band that like lived and breathed making music and creating music and writing and like playing the guitar and hitting squeals and stuff. And like, I was like, I'm that same dude too, you know? So I kind of like, 
have always felt that about you. So I, I yeah, I don't know. Ryan's a better I, singer I than you, though. Ryan, a hundred percent, dude. Let me tell you, the kindred spirit thing totally clicks with me. Obviously, there were like many moments, out, even outside of music, that we had like on tour that were super fun and funny, and just we're both being like completely ridiculous. But dude, I can't, I can't get out of my head this one moment that I really do honestly think about so much. I think it was the night that we did um, the show where you guys brought the couch out on stage <laughs> at the end of the show. And I yeah. fought Timmy. It, I mean, I was always fighting Timmy, but this one particular <laughs> night, I think he threw me in a garbage can. <laughs> but, but dude, you were, you were backstage and like, I feel like I didn't really want to bother you because you guys were busy at the time. But I always, there was one like thing where I, was, I finally was like, hey, can you show me something like a warm up skill that you do or something on guitar? And I remember you showed me and I was like, oh, sick. Like, that's rad. I still play it today. If I'm playing guitar, I still play it today. But but you were like so, uh, like I have an older brother and I love my older brother. But we have a very specific kind of relationship. But I feel like with you and the rest of the guys, I feel like Monty R.I.'s older brothers was st- it was story of the year for sure. So I always felt like there was this like, um, I don't know. I don't know why that moment sticks out so much, but it felt like a nice moment to have and something that I, I don't, I just, I always think about it. I always remember it. So yeah, just throwing out right now, you know, just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you guys, awesome. you guys were like you and Amberlin. We talked to Steven Christian from Amberlin last week, but nice. you and Amberlin, we wanted you guys on every tour. Like we, I don't know how many times we took you guys on tour. Just you guys are a phenomenal band better than us, but, uh, we just wanted to hang out with you guys, to be honest. Like, just sweet dudes, man. You know, like, all because Adam came in the bus. Like, dude, you guys got to come to uh, whatever stage, Ernie Ball stage, and, like, check out this band. Like, Adam was just, like, such a cheerleader for you guys, you know? And then we finally went, and we all met, and then, yeah. And then we went on, like, ten tours together, you know? Yeah, our our touring concept was always, who do we want to hang out with the most? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing else really mattered. <laughs> Yeah. But how important is that? In gen- I mean, on the road, how important is that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is all that really matters when you're hanging out in a van or a bus or, you know, with this certain group of 20 guys for a month. You know, that that is important. Okay, I'll, I'll tell the background real quick. Like, I remember vividly being introduced to you guys. I was in the catering line and I guess 2004, right? Because it was the year that you guys were on Warp Tour. You were on the Ernie Ball stage because you had won the bat- Ernie Ball battle the year before, right? Yeah, that's So right. you were doing the whole tour on that stage and Justin came up to me in the catering line that Justin Muir, the drummer of Monty RI and was like, Hey man, uh, you know, shameless self-promotion. Here's our demo and gave me the three song thing. And you know, like any band on tour, especially in those days, you, you just get like endless demos because that was the thing. Everyone had fucking CDs, you know, they weren't hitting people up on Instagram and, and shit like that, you know? So he had all these you get CDs. signed to Roadside Records. Right. And the majority of them <laughs> just looked like shit, which usually indicated that they probably sounded like shit, um, which is like sometimes tough to get over, even if the songs are kind of good. But the very first thing I noticed, which like compelled me to actually keep the CD and go and put it in was the design was really good because Ryan and I being graphic designers and being like, self-sufficient kind of dudes in a band who we designed a lot of our own shit, whatever. I, I immediately kind of had respect like, Oh, this is pretty sweet. These dudes are either paying somebody awesome or they're doing it themselves, which is even cooler. And then I guess I read their, you know, 
drums, Justin Muir designed Justin Muir. I was like, Oh sick. These dudes seem kind of like us. And we listened to it and I thought it was pretty dope. And then went and saw you guys probably the same day again, just because I thought the shit looked good. And then the songs were pretty good. And then you guys ripped like you just reminded me of us so much. Like just, we're going to go get this on our own. Any, by any, any means necessary. You know, you had like, forgot what you had, but there was some stuff that like, I think you had your own little like risers that you brought out and a bunch of shit that was very DIY, but very effective. And again, that just reminded me of us. So we just started hanging out. And I think it was like by the end of the tour, I think I like rode with you in your van one night just for fun. We were like totally bros, <laughs> like by the end of the summer. And it, it just went from there. That's crazy. I don't remember that, but that's, that's awesome. I just knew you guys all of a sudden. Were you guys Monty's fan club still at that point or was that Monty R.I.? I think it was just Monty. Monty. That's right. It was just Monty. Just Monty. Yeah. Cause there right. was that whole transition. Yeah. It was the demo that it was the white one and it's got some green shit on it kind of offset in the corner. And I think it had a way with two chairs and, uh, an older song that had a lot more horns. It was like handy with the steel hearts bleeding. Something. Yeah, yeah, it was yep, like those three songs. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Dan, you probably don't remember because Adam was like rogue. I feel like he was the rogue mem- member of your band. <laughs> yeah. Like hanging with us. Yeah. You know? it was I kind of like... remember that, but I just, I didn't remember that he just found your, got your demo and then we randomly just started liking you guys and hang, hanging out. That's crazy. And that, the other thing too about that. Okay. So there is a lot of serendipitous shit here. I feel like, because you, I feel like we had the same lawyer at, th- at that time. Eventually and after you guys signed to, what do you call it? And started working with um, Stolen Transmission, Eric Greenspan. Yeah, but it, this was before I, we had been working with Greenspan for like a year before that. Oh, that's right, because you, you knew his daughter. You yeah, went to so high school with his daughter like or whatever. There was some weird connection there, and then that also kind of helped because it was like, okay, these guys aren't just some random, you know. Yeah, thing. we had like had those things in common, and it made it seem like, oh yeah, okay, these dudes are definitely onto something. Where they've got like one of the best damn entertainment lawyers on earth, and yeah, maybe we had like through the through the emails of everything maybe it was like you guys check this band out while you're out there blah 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 it it was probably just one of these things that all met and then we're like well these guys are fucking awesome so just worked out it it worked out and and uh and then adam i feel like after that after the summer of you know fun and hanging out you kept in contact with us like big time Mm -hmm. because i remember talking to you at night like for hours and you were you're like what's going on what are you guys doing and we're like here's the game plan and like i'm working on this and then we just started like browing out a little bit more so that kind of grew over the next like year which was super helpful and fucking sweet steve do you remember when you guys were on tour and you came through st louis you guys stayed at adam's house and we went at (laughs) nighttime and walked around like it was like five o'clock in the morning. We were like walking through graveyards and through the woods and shit. Like, do you remember Fuck that? Yeah, the best that shit was, ever. Yeah, we, that was. We just had like awesome, a house party dude. at Adam's house, and we all hung out. And yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> we just like decided to go walk through like a graveyard and through the woods. Like we were like it was like sun was almost up. And we just we were like, like kids camping. We we weren't like drunk or high or anything. Probably <laughs> we were just like acting like children. Yeah, that was great. That was so fun, by the way. And I remember that night being like, why? Did it take so long for us to meet these guys? <laughs> like, we are why did same. we not grow up in the same neighborhood together? I this know. is yeah. like upsetting me that we didn't yeah. spend more time together. And the other funny, I remember that night. Especially because Ryan looks exactly like Justin and Ryan's mom, <laughs> Joyce. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. I remember yeah, that yeah. night too. You, uh, Adam had like a weird wine decanter in his house. 
And, um, <laughs> yeah. and you guys filled it with wine and I drank out of it. And you could not stop laughing because of the way I was drinking it. And I never realized that I would, <laughs> like, I would, I wouldn't like put something to my lips and like turn the, turn the bottle or even do like a he- half head spin, half bottle spin. I would take the whole thing up to my lips and tilt my entire head back. And I would like put my lips around the entire yeah. outside of the decanter. Like a G.I. Joe that could only bend at the waist. <laughs> yeah. And we just thought that was the funniest uh, thing ever, I guess. You guys, you guys are dying, man. It was great. Yeah. God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my well, what was so the first tour that we did together then? What, what, what? I don't remember that either. Was that on In the Wake of Determination shit? It was that it was that album cycle. Because um, when did the when did the record come out? Oh five. Yeah, October oh five. Yeah, this I was gonna say this time because I feel like I remember doing the runs with you guys. Like we were in the south. I feel like for a lot of it, Amber Lynn was on the tour in yep. Greeley Estates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yep, we did one of those. So uh, yeah, I remember that. We I remember touring up until like Christmas time. I remember being fl- in Florida during like the, yeah, the yeah. cold cold months. Do we have a ping pong table? Yeah, we were really acting fucking yeah. new money for a while. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't that very first tour because that was, the first one was He Is Legend and Anne Berlin. Okay, and um, Funeral for a Friend, and then I think that second headlining run we did was with you guys in Greeley Estates and Anne Berlin again, as we were talking about with him. They went on everything with us on that whole record. But Steve, I got a question. Let's go. Uh, so, all right. So we're talking about you know bro sessions, being in a band with like. You're, you're super tight with all the guys there. You're super close friends and everything. And that's how you toured for years. And then you wind up in 30 Seconds to Mars where you don't really know anybody. Like, that's got to be a motherfuck of a transition. Like, how how was how were those, like, first tours and how was that, like, adjustment period? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I... So I... I uh, my other job, I am a freelance photographer, Right. So the first time I had to do like a fly out to like shoot something or like it's just me, it's a totally different thing. Like getting on an airplane when it's just me is so strange. It's so weird. I don't know. Was it weird like your first like switching to doing the 30 seconds of Mars stuff and, and without like all your best friends and all your bros? And it's like, what's that like? Yeah. Um can, um, can I back up just for a little bit? Because I think it's helpful. It could be useful no. for your audience. Um, <laughs> yes. So Josh is uh, just the best. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. No, I know. Really quick, though. Can we just seriously take a second to just point out Josh? Because I also feel like <laughs> I had like a like a kindred spirit vibe with Josh, but in a way where I was like kind of like the younger brother who is b- like a no. big dork. <laughs> And Josh was like, what are you doing over here, man? Get the fuck out of my room. You know what? Okay, so here's the thing. People want to talk about me being an asshole all the time. But I didn't these think motherfuckers, that at all. they slept all goddamn day. I was the only one that was ever out and about during the day and hanging out with people. They didn't show up until like 5 p.m. He said, you're like, get the fuck out of my room. No, Josh. I feel like I, I like I liked your whole energy on tour because I feel like it was, I mean you you were like the the Mike of our band, like you guys <laughs> just aggravated, had, just always aggravated. <laughs> no, no, I don't I don't know how to it just real, just real, like just just super real. Not that no one else was real, but like you just had a very like if something was bothering you, you'd probably just say, hey, that's fucking bothering me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Steve, yes, yeah. <laughs> 
which I love. I love that. I don't, hi- I don't hide it very no, well. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just because uh, I, I think it could be, I'm sure you guys have all different types of people listening to the podcast, but just uh, for people who are like wanting to pursue music, um, any, any of that, or just a dream in their life or whatever, I feel like going back is a little helpful too, because I, I did have a year and a half between, or two years, maybe even three, between Monty R.I. and 30 Seconds. So the whole going out on your own thing, I had gotten some of that out of my system by like being like, okay, the band is not happening anymore. I'm not doing that. Now I'm going to become a songwriter, which I literally was going into meetings as the frontman for Monty R.I. and then three months later being like, well, now I'm a songwriter. So I had to prove to all these people. It was a little scary because you're in the same offices, but you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. I know that's confusing. Now I'm embarking on this thing. So I, it took me about a year and a half to prove myself as like a person who's dedicated to writing songs. And once they saw that, maybe someone who was developing as a talent, I'm, I'm hoping. But I was able to get my first uh, publishing deal. And then the woman who signed me to my publishing deal, she said, uh, hey, I'm gonna bring you into this publishing company, but I'm gonna leave right away to go to California and I'm gonna head up Dr. Luke's publishing company. And at the time, Dr. Luke was a huge pop songwriter, Katy Perry, Kesha, everything. So she was heading up his personal publishing company and she said, her name is Becca Tishker, she's now Julia Michaels' manager. But she said, hey, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna do this, I'll let you know how it goes and I'll, I'll let you know if you should come to LA. So she went to LA Meantime, I'm in New York working on songs. I get the call one day, hey, come to LA. Great, I hang up the phone, I go to LA, get an apartment. So that's January, 2013. My goal is songwriting, producing. That's my mission, it's time to go. But of course, I'm here for three weeks and this opportunity randomly comes up for 30 seconds. So I decide to go in and um, I really, to be honest, I really didn't even wanna like audition for the band because that wasn't my thing and in Los Angeles there's a whole culture of people like auditioning because they come from the Musicians Institute and they're like I'm going to be a rock star or I'm going to be in this band I'm going to be a touring musician but you guys know how that goes it's like 5% of the people that go to the college get to do any of this shit so um, I was walking in and out of this rehearsal space with all these Musicians Institute guys like coming in and out like trying to be all cool and shit and I'm just like this is not where my heart lies. I wasn't too cool for it. I was just like, this is not where my heart lies. So um, I kind of went in, I think, with a different attitude that probably served me in the long run. Um, but then, of course, once I thought I could get it, I was like, fuck this, I want this gig, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I really I really put my best foot forward and, and luckily was able to get it. But I do, to your question, Ryan, I remember... We did a few warm-up gigs in LA and in like Boston, a couple of just small shows. And I remember the first show that I was doing with them on the album cycle was a festival in Ireland. And I was the only dude flying out to Ireland (laughs) (laughs) on my flight. No one was with me. I saw no one from the crew, no one from the band. I was solo. Oh, wow. And dude, and and just to back up even a little bit, the day that they were like, hey, are you going to do this? Or are you not going to do this? You're either in or you're out. Me and my wife were in my kitchen crying because I was like, I'm going to be gone for two years and I just moved you from New York to L.A. So it was very, very much a feeling of loneliness and like 
and and I was scared. I, w- I mean, it was just, are we going to break up? Like, what's going to happen? You know, she wasn't my wife at the time, yeah. and it was just a little bit. It was scary. Um, Did you tell her to buckle up? I said, get your shit together. Here we go. <laughs> Here we fucking go. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. So when I landed Ireland, it, it's it's raining, and a van comes and picks me up with my name on it. No one's in the van but the driver. <laughs> takes me to a hotel. I don't know anybody. Like, I don't even know where I am, dude. It was in Northern Ireland. I have no clue where I am. And it was a, it was a very strange feeling. I felt like I was on a, like a government mission. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was like, I can't tell anybody. No one needs to know. You know, I'm just out here on my yeah. own. It was just very Fuck. bizarre. But yes, I was scared and it felt very lonely not having that band camaraderie in the beginning. Yeah, dude, that sounds just strange. Like, that yeah. would just be strange. Ryan can't travel without me. <laughs> no, I don't like it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to travel without you either. Dude, when I've been out of town on uh, on photo shoots and shit, like, I've texted Josh, like, man, this fucking weird being in a hotel by myself. Where are you? Where are you, dude? You know? Where, where are you with all your connectors to the TV and yeah, the, yeah. the hard drives and shit for movies? How, how do I get the internet in yeah. the hotel? I don't, I don't know how. I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Dude, I remember that, though, like, all all along that process, like, step by step as you were doing that, we were talking a lot, and you were like, man, I don't know, I really want to do this songwriting thing, but, like, I have this opportunity to join a band. Do I want to fucking join another band? And I remember saying to you, and you saying it back, like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, but it's not like you're joining a band that just got signed. You're joining this, you're joining a, an established band with a dude who is already a star in his own right, like this could be this huge kickstart to that songwriting career. And I don't know, clearly like you were, you were definitely thinking that and you were kind of saying the same thing back. And then I remember you telling me about how, yeah, we're, we're moving out here. I'm just going to be gone. And now my girlfriend's just here and she's freaking the fuck out. You know, like I remember <laughs> probably not giving you like the most like uh, thoughtful, caring advice, but being like, oh, dude, it'll be cool. Just fucking do it, you know. But I remember that, and now in hindsight, hearing you tell the story again, that's fucking. He- that's a heavy place to be in. That's a, that's a big decision to make. Yeah, and luckily I had you and a handful of other people around me that were, you know, encouraged me to to make the right move. Um, and shout out to Becca Tishker too, because she was like, dude, she was seeing. Probably like you, Adam, like a few steps ahead where I was so emotional, I couldn't figure it out in the moment. But she was like doing this, you know, music industry and entertainment is all about knowing people. Everything's about knowing people. So you're in with with a a guy in a band that there's going to be tons of other people around. You're going to meet so many people. It's going to provide opportunity for you. Um, and so I think I just I, I, I think I really just did take the leap only because I was. I didn't really know what to do. I mean, I, maybe I knew what the right thing to do was, but I was afraid of doing it. So I was asking people because I wanted them to give me permission. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think Been you there. also, sorry to keep cutting you off, Ryan Phillips, but I think I remember you saying this to you and kind of comparing it to when you were, I guess you guys were making your second album, the producer or the label were talking about bringing writers in. And one of the writers potentially was Tony Canal from No Doubt. Yeah. And you ended up turning it down because you're like, no, we just kind of want to write our own stuff. Then thinking with the 30 Seconds to Mars thing, again, like, okay, do I just fully go out on my own and go for it? Or do I just like take this big opportunity that isn't necessarily exactly what I had lined up in my vision for the future and just fucking run with it and see what happens? And clearly you went that route. 
Yeah, yeah, what a what a gaff that was. I mean, you know, looking back, it's just like that's one of those moments where you're like, at the very least, you write a song and you you know you get to meet Tony Canal, which that's a pretty good. At the very least, yeah, you know, and yeah. and you know, worst case scenario, you just don't put the song out. I mean, man, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That's a hard thing to do when you're you know in your early mid twenties or whatever, because we had the same thing uh, where we got yeah. asked to write songs with people uh, on Page Avenue, even on the first record, um, and you know, we were just too proud to you know even even give it a chance and try stuff like that because no, it's like we have to write everything; it can't be something else. But yeah. Maybe we would have wrote something cool. Maybe it just would have been nothing. Who knows? But yeah, we, we definitely said no to a lot of that kind of shit. How do you guys feel now in terms of like, um, the best way for me to describe it is ownership, meaning like you feel like you own it. You know, we, just as an example, like, uh, 30 seconds did a cover of Rihanna's stay. And I remember Jared just crushes the vocal every time we, we perform it. But he always said like, I, I feel like I own it now. Meaning like, I feel like. I feel like this is, even though it's not my song, I feel like it's my song. Yeah. Um, and so it gives you more confidence to go out and perform it and feel like, yeah, we, this is our shit. So does that, how do you guys feel now, you know, being many years in, does that change at all? I think, um, <clears throat> I think the thing that's changed is like, I don't think any of us have any ego about like being like overly precious or territorial about shit like that. Like I, but I think, it was insecurity and ego back in the day. Like, Oh, we can't let this other person in because then, you know, it's like a, almost like threatening in a way. Now I think it, we all just want to do this for a living. And, and, uh, if working with songwriters could help inch us closer to that goal, you know, like we'd be down for sure. You know, we don't have an ego about it, you know, also getting outside of our little box seems exciting. And when, when you have five, six records or whatever of material, you know, you realize that not every song is going to be your favorite fucking song that you've ever written. So, you know, at the time, like on Page Avenue, it's like we have to write 12 songs that we fucking love and we have to play every single fucking night for the next two years or whatever for the next 20 years. Um, but, you know, you realize that uh, not every song is exactly the same and there's many different ways to be inspired. There's many different ways to sing something you love. And we didn't know that shit back then. But now I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude, I would gladly sing any song if I love it. And it's fucking great, you know? Yeah, it's so so interesting because I often think too, like why why do why did we put that on ourselves? Yeah, gotta love every part of every song and everything <laughs> and every note and everything. It's like, dude, because it's, it's crazy to us because we fucking love it. All of us do, and that's just how it is. But I guess that's what it is, and right? Partly. Yeah, and yeah, and, and I'll say I still like I don't have like an ego about it like I did back in the day. But it is still my favorite thing, like one of my favorite things about being a human. Like, let's like not skip over that. Like, it's still my favorite thing about being in a band. Like, I love the tour. I love to play shows. All I love all that stuff. But when it all boils down to it, like even if I can never play a show again for the rest of my life, like writing is where my heart is at, dude. Writing, just you know what it's like. You open up Pro Tools, you record something, you start building it, you start programming the drums, you put your sense in whatever and you just hear this thing come to life that didn't exist until you made it exist like that fucking feeling that's what's all about to me you know best thing ever that is still like my number one and always will be but um i'm definitely open to sharing that you know like letting other people into that process if it can help you know story of the year 
I think we're all also just from a generation or we're all influenced by a generation of musicians that in hindsight was actually kind of like a blip in music history where at least in like 20th century music history that was sort of different, yeah, almost unique where bands only wrote their own shit. Like it was, it was four or five people in a group in a garage. Like we, you know, the nineties were very much about like that grunge mentality and even the eighties, you know, but like those, all those sunset strip bands, they were right. Writing their own shit. They were all fucking shredders. Yeah. But so, so we all assume that's how it has to be, you know, and that's kind of built into us in a way, which is insane. Cause prior to that, even going back, you know, like some of the, the fucking greats, always wrote with people. Elton John always wrote with someone. Eric Clapton always wrote right. with someone. You know what I mean? Elvis didn't do like any of his own songs, period. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So, even 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 the Kisses and the Bon Jovis, I mean, they wrote with Desmond Child. They wrote yeah, the yeah. biggest songs with Desmond Child. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing. I I I do get it, um, but I guess I'm in such a, a different world now too. When I think back at those times of feeling so precious and looking at every little detail in a song, it, it, I'm, I'm happy I did it and I, I was able to do that with my close friends, but sometimes it gets, it becomes frustrating to me. You know, I look back and think, why did we do that? You know? It can get in the um, way oh, as yeah. well and hinder you from doing things that maybe would be better because you're too, you know, too stuck on something and you not willing to try crazy shit, you know, because sometimes that's going to work out better for you. You never know. A hundred percent. I think that, that was the, and that to me is the, the, the thing about it. Like it, in some, in some ways it made the product better, but where it made the product worse, the song worse, that's where it upsets me Yeah. because we needed to check this box or check that box or check that box. It's like, you didn't need to check that box. You felt pressure, you know, you felt like you had to because you did it before. Yeah. But uh, it's just so, I don't know. I just found it, fa- find it fascinating. So I, I wanted to ask you guys that well, question. I was going to say, like you were saying, Steve, uh, like whenever you record, you re-record, you record a cover or whatever. Um, and either way, you make it your own in the process, you know. Um, just like if you're just covering it live, that's a little different. But if you actually record something, then it's no different than like if Ryan sends me a demo, then it's his song, but it becomes my song because, you know, you put your spin on what you're doing. So uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that far off to think that, you know, if somebody else has a hand in writing the thing with you, it's not going to make it that much less intimate to you. And it's still your fucking song and it's still your voice that you put on it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You make it your own. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yo, I just found this just to confirm. I dug this up a minute ago. It was 2004 and it was still Monty's fan club. This, This isn't the one that you guys gave me, but this was like a burned Monty's fan club EPK summer 2004. Here it is. I'm going to put this in. I don't know where a CD player is summer in my life right now, but I'm going to find one and put this shit in it. That's awesome. We can call Andrew Borstein and he could send you one. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, do you still talk to like all the Monty dudes regularly? Oh yeah. So do you really? That's amazing. So we just did like a reunion show at the top of 2020 in January. Yeah. And, uh, it was awesome. It was, uh, I was supposed to fly out for that. I did because I was gonna fly out for uh, Justin asked me to come out, and I, 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 I uh, there was a reason I didn't. I can't remember what it is. It was probably a lame reason, but I fucking didn't. Go. I almost did just to hang out. He just went on living his life instead. <laughs> probably, honestly, dude, probably better you didn't considering what's going on right now. Because after that show, <laughs> shit hit the fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like right at the end of end of normal life. Yeah. 
Yeah, but we we keep in touch all the time. I mean, I'm uh, I think I'm I, I'm supposed to uh, Ryan, who is the other singer and guitarist in the band. He's a music educator in Rhode Island, and uh, he asked me to be a mentor for one of his students this semester. So I'm going to be doing that. So we're always we're oh, always nice. like yeah, we're always on the you know doing the thing. Sweet. All right, I have, I have two questions. They're both cool. probably hard to answer. Okay. One, do you think you'll ever live in Rhode Island again? And two, is uh, this is a really hard question, but like, do you see the thirty second stuff like lasting indefinitely? Like, are you gonna ride that train until the train doesn't go anymore? Like, how? I know that's a tough question, mm. but I don't know. Do you think about that stuff? Yeah, we think about it all the time. I mean, some of you guys lived in, L- or was Adam the only one that lived in LA for a period of time? I don't remember. Yeah, he was the only one there by himself. We we all lived in a house together for like a year, but yeah. And do you guys live near your families? I, I don't... Yes. Now okay. we do in St. Louis, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think moving back to Rhode Island, uh, my wife is also from Rhode Island, so uh, like culturally we are very similar and uh, we get the whole thing and we're always searching for that thing in, in uh, Los Angeles. We're always searching for the Italian-American connection. We're always <laughs> searching for the food, the, the vibe, you know, the wine, the Sinatra. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's tough, man. Being from the types of families that we're from, it's all about the family. It's all about the mom. It's all about the grandma. And it's super hard to be here because we have missed all the important moments and funerals. And I was in Russia when my grandfather passed away or Finland or something. And he was 97. And it's just like, it sucks. There's so many things that suck about being away from home. Um, But there's so much... Uh, good as far as the professional stuff. Um, being in LA, just work is so much better and obviously existent in Rhode Island. It's not. Um, and we have these conversations weekly about going back to Rhode Island, but you know, we live here and um, I think my goal in the next couple of years is to buy another spot in Rhode Island and just have it so that, you know, I don't know. Maybe it pulls me closer in the future and brings me closer to my family again. Because it's, it's you sacrifice a lot being away. Um, yeah. So it's weird. That's it's been on our minds a lot as of recent. But yeah, as far as the Mars stuff goes, man, it's it's hard to say. Um, I remember when I you know year two of me being with the band, it was like I had this weird thing I was saying to myself, I want to be their last bass player. (laughs) Like I remember saying that, like, I want to be their last bass player. No one's, no one's coming after me, you know, uh, because the band had like a history of, of multiple bass players. And, um, I don't know. I have a really thing, a good, really good thing going on with them right now. And with Jared and Shannon, and I can see me being in my sixties and, (laughs) them still kicking it and us doing like a show a year. So like, I can imagine this, you know, still going on and doing it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's right now in my life. It's, it's hard to say because writing songs is, is my total focus right now. So, um, I've always had one foot in that world and one, one foot in the writing world, one foot in the Mars world. Um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not like signed to the contract with the band. I'm not signed to the record contract. So it's like a different role for me. You know, I have a creative role in the band with writing songs and producing, but it's just a different beast. So I think if, 
if it was that case, it would be a little bit different, you know, a little different. But um, I kind of, I've always liked the freedom. And it's, I feel like I'm in like the sweetest spot. Going back to your question about feeling alone on the road uh, when I was like totally riding solo in the beginning, after a month of being on tour, I quickly realized that I had the best job in the entire group because I wasn't part of the crew and I wasn't an official member of the band. So during the day, I was going through these tiny towns in France with a baguette and just like sightseeing and listening to Ed Sheeran. So I had like the best days. The summer of 2013 was like the best time. It was like a very romantic summer. I was just walking around with my fucking black tank top on, super tight pants, um, just really enjoying like my freedom. And I think that's something yeah. that I've, I was able to carve out with them. Even when we were working on the, rec- the last record, I was like, look, I, I want to 100% be a part of this, but I would. I really want to. I want to work on the record three days a week, and the other two days of the week, I want to write songs outside of, of the band, which was worked perfectly. So, um, I, if it works like that forever, I'm in. Dude, that's awesome. Fucking a, dude. Do you guys need like an opening band for your next tour, or, or <laughs> is this kind of like who you got, Josh? Who you got? <laughs> uh, you know, just you know, whatever. Know some dudes. We're actually just looking for an opener that's just a drummer. That's fine. I could do, I could do that. Just come out and, and just look angry and just do drum solos. Uh, uh-huh. I, could do, I can't drum solo, but I, I'll just play some beats for a little while. It's actually you got a DJ and drum at the same time. Ah, nice. I could work that out. <laughs> Uh, Dude, hey, we would be fucking up if we ended this podcast without telling some stories about touring together. And there are two that are like so vivid in my mind. One probably can't be told in detail, but another. The monologue. The monologue. But but the other is, remember when every single person on the tour in every band, one after another, got the flu uh, and you got hit? So you're shaking your head because, yeah. So we all had it so bad. Just to like give a little background, it was like some like a like a movie pandemic where you're like shitting out your organs. <laughs> no, That's Ryan the way it got felt. COVID before COVID, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It, to oh. it, it, it is oh, the God. worst, literally the worst I've ever felt in my life. I got it when we were in Salt Lake. Luckily, we were on a day off, but it was one of those things where like you eat something and then all of a sudden you're like, it's hot in here. <laughs> I'm like I got I got to poop real bad, you know. And you poop once, and then it doesn't stop. You're like, man, something doesn't feel right. And you do it again, and then you're like, no way, god damn it, I got to throw up. And you're like, you're in denial for a second. You're like, no, maybe that was just it. Maybe it was just some bad, you know, tortillas. And then nope, it keeps coming. And I spent the entire night shitting and throwing up to the point where I just laid in the shower, like in the bathtub, with the water running, with a pillow made out of towels, butt naked, and occasionally I would get up and go shit. And I would just throw up as I was laying there. And it got to the point where I was so destroyed physically that I was shitting and throwing up at the same time and just letting it go down the drain. <laughs> and this was like wow. a pretty optimal situation, a hotel, a shower. Steve, on the other hand, was in a van when it hit him. So just like tell, tell us about it. Hey, you know who didn't get it? Me. <laughs> Dick was too long for that flu. Josh might have been you the only the one. I think I got it like a little later and it wasn't as bad for me, but... Me, Tros, Timmy, and somebody else didn't get it. I don't remember who else. God, lucky bastard. See, that's dude. the thing. When you're in a van or a bus with, with all the people, you know, it's impossible not to get the shit. I don't know how you guys didn't get it, but it's a petri dish. But yeah, Steve, you were in a van doing that. That, that that's rough. That's way worse than being in a bus being sick. It was crazy because I remember <clears throat> I feel like the way it went down was Ryan was not feeling good one night and he was like, Hey, 
we're in, I think we're in Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. And he was Ryan in your band. Oh no, Ryan, Ryan Phillips. And he, and, and I remember it being like, he's like, if I can't do this, like you're going to have to play enter Sandman at the end of the set. Oh yeah. And I was like, (laughs) you know, when you're young and you just think you're totally invincible. I was like, whatever. He was like, wash your hands after you play my guitar. I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Dude, what a mistake. Cause you, Ryan literally walked off stage and went to like go explode somewhere and uh, I just like took the guitar. No, I was, and I, throw- I was throwing up on stage into a trash can. Yeah, and yeah, he played my guitar and got my cooties and Dude. got it real bad. It was so. So was that on the the run in the wake of determination run? That was that. Yeah, probably. yeah, okay. probably. Yeah. If we were still doing Inner Sandman, yeah, probably around that time. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember we were uh, we were driving through the Colorado Rockies. Like right past the point of no return when you enter, because, you know, it's like you're in the mountains yeah. and it's yeah. November. So it's pretty yeah. gnarly. And uh, I just remember, I remember going into a, a, a truck stop and being like, oh, something's like really off. Something's <laughs> super weird. And I didn't like have anything to drink. Just something was bad. And I walked into the bathroom and I'm pretty sure I threw up and I was so uh, so messed up, like in the head. I didn't know where I was. I was totally disoriented. I, I walked out and I just looked at the guy cleaning the floor. It was like one in the morning. I was like, you got a problem in there, man. I was like, <laughs> and I just like walked out. And I God. remember we were parked on the side of a hill and, and the wind was blowing like 50 miles an hour. And it was like, and a tumbleweed went right by. A straight up tumbleweed went by me, and I was like, "I'm literally about to die." This is out of a this, movie. This is where I it's go. the end, bro. This is it. It's, this is it. This is it, man. I'm dead. Wow. But yeah, yeah, and that was gnarly. I was I was out for like three or four days. Didn't we cancel a show? I feel like we might have canceled the show. Yeah, I think you went and just caught up with us later. But I remember the other dudes texting. Yo, Steve got it. We're pulled over for like the fifth time right now. He's shitting on the side of the road. <laughs> it was bad. And I was like, that's what uh, I knew. It, dude, it felt like a movie. Like you're just like, you know, like a news, uh, in, you know, interrupts your, your episode of Friends to tell you that like, you know, another country has been infected. You know, like that's what it felt like. And it went on for like a couple months. Like, I think, was it the same one where finally Phil got it when we were in Australia? Or was that the same stretch? Remember the shit? No, that no, was totally no, different. That was, different. Ryan that was, was sick different. again. That though. was totally yeah. different. No, but either way, it, the, it took uh, a the while. First thing, the first, first person I remember getting it was Chris Campbell in yep. yeah. Fresno. No, not Fresno. Uh, that was our monitor guy, by the way. Some, somewhere in California. I remember being... Uh, Venice. No, fuck. Anyway, California. He got it, and then Biff got it. And it like yep. trickled down from there. Ventura? Were we upstairs? Ventura. Yeah. Ventura, for yep. sure. I will say this. The only times I've ever gotten like super sick on tour were the it was the day after like with like I had a super bad hangover. I threw up the night before. Like my immune system was just shot. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that's when I got sick on tour is when I barfed the night before and woke up super hungover. And mm-hmm. that's when like it the shit got me. You know You're like I don't I don't know if I'm sick or if I'm hungover. That's the worst. <laughs> and then you really are sick. Oh yep. man. Oh. Yeah. Damn, hey, you I, got it, and damn. it only lasted like six hours. I remember you in your bunk. You had some Tylenol cold and flu, and it lasted like six hours. And you're like, man, I'm all right. 
Dude, I couldn't believe yeah. it. He kicked it in like six hours. Bitch. Yeah, I usually get the shit and I struggle through it for a while and then I make myself evacuate everything. And I'm usually good like the next day. I don't know. Every time I get the flu, that's kind of how I am. But Were you a vegan at that point then or no? No, I didn't drink or anything at that point. I was still straight edge, dude. But That's right. So yeah, I don't know. We're going to find out at the end of the movie that Dan's been a robot this whole time and that's why he never gets sick. Yes. Robot. Amazing. I love I, it. I just realized that I don't miss fucking touring at all for that reason. <laughs> that is the worst fucking <laughs> right. thing for any band dude on the planet is getting sick on the road. It fucking sucks. I've only ever oh. been sick once on tour and it lasted 24 hours and that was it. <laughs> yeah. No, Josh, you remember, you remember in Japan when I got it? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, no, this is the, the best story in the fucking world. We're all out partying and it's fucking rad and it's, you know, we're all whatever. We come back to the hotel and we're in the hallway fucking with somebody. I think we we're fucking with Scott. And then Ryan was all amped up. And then 30 seconds later, he comes in and goes, boom, on the bed, done for like two days. No, like I couldn't sit up. Like I was like you were talking about <laughs> yeah. being delirious. Like yeah. when I sat up, I, I was like delirious. Like I didn't know where I was. He had all of every everything he brought on tour to where he wore it. With covers. I was, I was freezing. And then, he, then, he, then he tore it all off in the middle of the night. I was just laying there going, what the fuck is happening right now? No, because <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil got it and went to the hospital, and his temperature was like 104. In Australia. Oh, shit. Yeah, his temperature was like 104.8 or some shit, and they gave him some kangaroo pills or something. And then he, had, he gave them to me. Yeah, like a tenth of a degree away from brain damage. Yeah, he gave me his pills, and I took them. That's what stopped me from getting... Dead <laughs> from getting dead, getting dead. Yeah, yep. It was insane. I was just laying there going, uh, okay, I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and take off. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you later, I guess. <laughs> so chill about it, dude. I, my, my, my fever was so high that like I, I was like not thinking, right? Like, my, I couldn't like talk. You remember that? I couldn't like oh, form dude. coherent sentences, yeah, like. Dude, it was bad. I remember this actually like vividly because you and I were both like, because Phil was like, he, he was saying he couldn't stand up. He couldn't see. He had to crawl to the phone and he like had to like call whatever Australia's 911 is or whatever. And we were both 119? like, man, <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we were both like, man, there's fucking no way it's that bad. Like, dude, yeah. come on. Yeah. And then when it happened to you, you're like, dude, he wasn't lying, man. I couldn't see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was Holy bad. Shit. I think I was binge watching 24. <laughs> Dude, I think it might have been like a fucking H1N1 or swine flu or bird flu. Oh, that's what it was. Like yeah, AIDS for or something. sure. I don't know. I mean, it, it was like 2006, so I doubt it. But it was, it was probably AIDS. Yeah, probably AIDS. Most likely. Yeah. Yo, it you guys was, remember when we went to Vegas and uh, we came out of the rain room or whatever the hell it was called? And, and someone, might have been Oaks, threw a freaking shot glass at the door. <laughs> and they kicked all of us out. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I had to tell oh, that because I just I wanted to make sure I remember that. Do you guys remember that at all? I don't remember. I don't. I didn't probably drink at that point, but that had to have been Oaks. It was crazy. Had to have been yeah, for sure. I've never seen anything like that. Someone was lit to see someone get thrown out of a club and then is like five feet from a wall inside of a casino and throws a shot glass at the wall and shatters <laughs> everywhere. It's a bold move, and I like wow. it. Wow. That might have been the night he got hit, Oaks got creepy on Christy. Oh, Josh's wife. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, he was like oh, in, he was in the front lounge. It didn't do anything like super crazy, but like he was in the front lounge of the bus, and like he was talking to her, and like I have to verify this, but like he almost like reached over and like 
caressed like her face or something like that. Like he, <laughs> oh, was God. talking to her. Oh God! <laughs> and dude. you know, you know how Christy is. She's just like, uh, so that happened. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Whoa. Oh my god! That, that also could Folks. have been Biff that turned around and threw a shot glass. I could see that happening. Oh, dude. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I could see yeah. that Good happening point. more than John Oaks doing that, but who knows? And by the way, I've run into Biff many times on the road, and it's always been so great. And I think last time I saw him was in December of 2018, and he handed me a card that was like, "Check it out, man." I'm like, "What's this? Best barbecue in the world." Yeah, something like that. He runs a barbecue shop or yeah. something now. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, we we're, we need to have a couple of our crew members on to talk to him about that. That that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's he he always smiles. That dude. He's the best. He's the best. He's such a solid dude. Yep. I follow him on I follow his uh, his barbecue thing on Instagram, and I'm like, motherfucker, it's all the way in California, and it looks so goddamn good. <laughs> he's like. As Italian as he is, his thing, he, he's like you, but for barbecue. He's, you know, he's from Kansas City. So, like, right. he's, he's kind of right. like the equivalent on that level. And, and he's just like, I mean, anybody who's listening who's, who knows our DVDs, they know Biff. But anyone who doesn't, he was our guitar tech. Like, we talked about it in, you know, first couple episodes. Our first ever non-hometown crew member and then just became our bro. And he's now, for years, been the guitar tech and kind of like, occasional guitar player right like on a couple songs nightly for sublime yeah with rome and and one of his best friends brandon b loney b loney uh, dude brandon st is like crushing now as a songwriter as well and a producer so sick how's he doing you guys talk to him at all or didn't he come to yeah he came to our last la show that we did that's right yeah a couple, like a year ago he seems stoked and you know see him on social media and he seems yep. stoked that's great but dude uh, every time I hear their names or they're brought up again, like we of course have our history touring with them and they're like our bros. But I just remember the one quote from you in Florida, you may or may not have had your shirt on it at the time <laughs> and you were hammered and you were like, how do you guys know someone named Biff and B. <laughs> and then it cut into a whole like montage of, of just like fucking debauchery. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, we were good, good at times. nicknames. Oh, God, uh, that is so funny. Oh so there was one, like, legendary night, and you can see this in the DVD as well, where it was all in Florida, the same night where Biff was, like, swinging from the tree, trying to rip off that branch with his bare hands like a gorilla, <laughs> and you were off on an adventure and came back without a shirt, had no idea where your shirt was, and then told this monologue about what went down in our front lounge, shirtless, just came straight <laughs> to our bus instead of your own van. Like, oh, Steve's <laughs> here. And... God, dude. I mean, like, again, that was the night that Ryan Muir met his wife, right? Yes. His, I think that was in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And God, what a fucking night, dude. Those That string of shows, because the drives are so short. And oh, my God. It just, That's what it was, I right? Guess. That was the whole thing, is that the drives are so short that after the shows, and I mean, for us, we were, I don't know if we were first or second on the bill, but you just start drinking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. done by 745. Like, we had no responsibility. It was like, whatever. And yeah. I think I think between those shows, let's say it's Fort Lauderdale and whatever the next town is, I'm pretty sure I was like, hey, can I ride with you guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I was like, I was like, screw it. I'm yeah. going. And it was it was one of those nights, and it was uh yeah, very interesting. It was very Yeah, when yeah. bus call when bus calls five AM, it becomes a problem sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It definitely becomes a problem. <laughs> And for a band in a van, you're just like, okay, who's the one person's one person that's going to have to be sober enough to drive an hour and a half right. at six in the morning? Luckily, it and was that's it, and everybody Andrew just rages, like you said. 
Right. <laughs> and he was just very responsible at the time. <laughs> but yeah, that dude, those shows, the Parish Theater, uh, Janice Landing or whatever it was in mm-hmm. Florida, yep. like yeah. all those shows were so sick. And when we played Florida, it was Amber Lynn territory too. Yeah. That, that's so their, it was that's like a hit. combo, yep. right? Everyone was, it was, man, those shows are so, I wish I could go back and, and be a fly on the wall just to see kind of the true reality of the vibe. But I remember it being so good, yeah. just Everything just felt so fucking good. A uh, lot of energy, like a lot of like. Do you guys ever get that like, that like? I don't. It's not. It's not like. It's not anger. It's like a. You feel powerful on stage. I guess is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> you just. You have like this testosterone pump through your through yeah. your bloodstream, and you're just yeah. like, I am dominating right now. Like that's what was so great about oh, those yeah. shows. You know, you just felt in control. You feel like the semi truck that hits the bed at the end of the Enter Sandman video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Inside. Exactly. Yeah, like you, you could break your exactly. leg and just keep playing the show and not realize it until the end of the set, and you're like, Oh my god, what the fuck just happened to me? A hundred percent. And then, and also just like, I think a lot about like being a young man, like, you know, having that outlet, it could be music. It could be like something physical, you know, boxing. I don't know anything. Uh, Bocce ball. Eating Italian food, whatever it is. Uh, but but it's it so healthy. You know what I mean? For like development at that age, I feel, I just look back on it and I'm like, what a, what an awesome thing to have. Cause as a, I think as a kid, I had a lot of like frustration issues and, um, I was always like, uh, not angry, but just frustrated. I always wanted more. I always wanted to be bigger and badder. And like, I, I wasn't. So, you know, you, you set up a duffel bag full of like pillows and you punch the hell out of it and you, you know, you get your frustrations out, but being on stage, I feel like it's such a good way to, to do that. And I just remember all those shows. It was such a, just a good spirited time. Well, yeah, I think, I think within that, just like being on stage and all that stuff, just being on tour with like good people. Yeah, like, totally. Even with on our crew with you guys, Amberlynn, like it, it just, it was a hang and like we had to go play shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> we were hanging out and being like, all right, well I got to go on stage in 10 minutes. I'll see you in an hour or whatever. You know what I mean? And you know, you're, you're almost, uh, like you put the dice down. You're like, I'll be right back. Uh, one hour, one hour. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then my, and like, you're also like performing, like ju- not just for the crowd, but like your friends on the side of the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. You're totally. just like you're laughing and looking at them the whole time, and you know what I mean. Like it's just a whole like the whole vibe of it was so rad. Yeah, like at that time period, dude. Those tours felt like to me what growing up watching like VHS tapes or you know or shit on MTV or whatever of other bands hanging out on tour. I felt like we were really living it. And that's when touring felt the best when it was just like, everyone's just raging together, like seeing Pantera and Skid Row together (laughs) or like, I mean, just any of that kind of shit. It felt like, Oh, we're really fucking doing it. Yeah. We're not playing arenas, but we're like fucking doing it. And this is the raddest shit I will ever do in my life. You know? hundred percent. And people are like, how could it be rad that you were walking through graveyards and like, (laughs) it, it was just like, 12 guys hanging out, like yeah, yeah. doing beats no and chicks. butthead jokes, but it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah no chicks ever. It was <laughs> just all of us, <laughs> all the dudes yeah. on tour. Yeah, but you yeah. know, it's, yeah, it, I mean, obviously life is different now for all of us and it's, it's still as awesome, but those days were just different because everything was new, fresh, exciting. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just a different, I don't know. 
it was spirited. That's the only, I mean, that's the way I, I, uh, you know? some people, like, you know, you know, growing up and going through all of it, you talk to people who haven't lived like a tour life and they're like, dude, it's gotta be like, you know, all this and like girls and all this stuff. I'm like, nah, man, like when we toured, it was, it's, it's graveyards. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> graveyards and we hung out with the other dudes and the other bands. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Like we had massive like bus parties with just dudes. <laughs> and so fun. The most fun and, times. No, we had the yeah. best yeah, time. We didn't have to worry like about fucking shit. Summer camp, just knew we were doing the right things. We knew that we were just playing music as good as we could do it, and we were just having the best fucking time, and that was it. Didn't matter. That's so sick. Nothing mattered. So sick. Yep. And I, I can't it. wait till we can do it again. Fox, God, yeah. Wait. And we will can't continue wait. to do it with, with you in some capacity for the rest of our lives. We'll all, we'll all be hanging when we're all fucking 80 years old. In a graveyard. And then uh, we'll all get an apartment. We'll all get an apartment together or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this is a great idea. Story of the year opening for 30 Seconds to Mars. Let's make this happen. This Let's go, baby. Let's make it. Yeah. For all the listeners, change.org. We're going to want to go to change.org. <laughs> Fill out the petition. If we get 10,000 signatures, we'll be good to go. Uh, that's that's Dude. saying that no. uh, humans can ever tour again. So we'll, we'll get we'll get to that first. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, I love that idea. By the way, <laughs> nothing would make me happier. Hey, than and sharing. to really bring things full circle and cap up our lives the right way, I think we should all be buried in the same graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Steve. Let me can... just tell my wife that really quick. Yeah, Steve, you can ride on our bus on that tour if you want. <laughs> yeah, Steve. You, yeah, Steve rides on our bus on that tour. Yeah, we'll get you a bunk. <laughs> oh man, that'd that be would so be fun. crazy. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, hey, Jared. Sorry. I gotta ride with them. <laughs> exactly. I'm in. Hey, let's wrap this let's wrap this mug up. Yep. Steve, you're the fucking Dude. best. Yo, can I just say something really quick before before we take off? Yeah. Yes. Uh I just I, I wrote down just a couple of notes because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget, but um I just wanna make sure that your fans and your listeners uh just know a couple of things. Um, you know, coming up in the music industry or any industry, I guess, for that matter, it's super important to have allies. And it's great when they come in the form of like a mentor or a big brother, like we were speaking about before. Uh, Like it helps pave the path. I think, you know, it gives you a lot of confidence because although we like to think we all have confidence in our early 20s, we really don't. And I feel like you guys were 100% that for myself and the rest of the Monty R.I. guys. And, uh, you know, it's it's cool. You guys were 100% supportive, super encouraging during our, our run. And I know I really appreciate it. I know the guys do too. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy that you guys are still making music and doing your passions. I think that's like so rad to witness and um, being successful at it too. I think that's like a huge thing. And uh, Same to you, dude. I'm just super happy to have you guys in my life. And I just wanted to say thanks. You're oh, the man. Fucking a. That's Thank the you. best thing ever. Thanks, dude. That means a lot. Hey, you just stood up in our front lounge of the bus again with your shirt off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually, actually, nowadays, this is what I look like with my shirt off. I just want to let you guys know. That's actually tattooed just on there. full leather now. jacket with a black shirt. Yeah. That is awesome. And uh, we only gave you that, that vibe because you guys were fucking awesome and you, you're just awesome people. And we liked to support the people that we really believed in and. Uh, it is good to hear, though. We keep hearing this recently that, you know, because there is a lot of competition and, and bullshit in the music scene that there shouldn't be, you know. So we always kind of just had that, like, we like this and we're just going to support it and try to help these people out. But not everybody was like that. But it is always awesome to hear that, you know, that actually encouraged people and stuff. That's really cool. Hell yeah. And Hell yeah. also to note, also, you guys 
I feel like people, I know your fans recognize this. I think you guys have done some serious shit in your careers. Story of the Year, has, I was, and I still am, always will be a John Feldman fan. But when you guys came out with Page Avenue, it was really an important moment, not just for that scene of music, but look at what's happening now. You know, it carried its way all the way until today and, and beyond. Yep. So Emo's not dead. Musically, I think, too, it's like very important to recognize that you guys were part of this thing and you contributed a lot and you still contribute a lot to that, to that musical journey. So I think uh, that's so something that needs to be said. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That means a lot. Oh, wait, I got one more thing for Steve. <laughs> how the fuck did you, how did you, how did you get on your fucking mom's house? Oh, what? yeah. That's right. What's your oh, mom's that's house? Right. I forgot I that's, had a text that's Tom me. Segura. Tom Segura and his wife, uh, Christina Pazitsky, they have a fucking podcast oh, and he yeah. was on it. Yeah, Josh told me about this. Yeah, they're, dude, they're so tight. Um, I've been a fan of that world since like 2011. So I've been listening to them forever. Uh, Rogan God, and red. Joey Diaz and... Tom Segura and all them. And I was in Hungary last year with 30 Seconds to Mars and we're doing sound check. And I was like, oh shit, Christina P's entire family is from Hungary. So I'm gonna play the Your Mom's House theme song during sound check to a completely uh, not filled arena. <laughs> so we're, so the, the place held like, I don't know, 15,000 people or something. And I just went on the middle of the stage and had one of the tech guys film me and I played the theme song and then they featured it on the show. And then asked me to come in for um, a taping of their uh, their second live show, and we did like a little bit on their show. God, it's great! Awesome. And they were the yeah. sweetest, coolest Tom people of all time. <laughs> oh, I li I listen to Two Bears One Cave every week, and it's my favorite shit on the planet. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I'm into I'm into the Two Bears. I was I, I saw you that picture, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were they were awesome. They're so cool. That's awesome. Podcasting. It's so much shit. fun. Dude, this has been awesome. Thank you, guys. For sure. No Before we let you go, do you have anything you want to shout out? Any self-promotion? Uh, come follow the journey on Instagram. It's at Stevie Aiello. Yeah, I am basically just post uh, stuff about my touring adventures with 30 Seconds to Mars and my writing and producing journey and any kind of Italian food that I'm making. So <laughs> come say what's up. You make me hungry a lot. I know. <laughs> was that hungry, Dan? Was that, was that what Hung, you said? Hungry. Gree, gree. Okay. Hungry. Not, sure. okay. not Hungary. Okay. Make me feel like I'm from Hungary. Well, yeah, man. Thanks awesome, for doing it. Geez. And um, we'll have more adventures to talk about again someday. Hell yeah. Sounds good. There's still a billion more stories we could, we could all think of and tell, but, you know. So many. We'll end it there. Awesome. Right on. So, everyone, thanks for listening. My name is Adam. I'm Dan. Josh. I'm Ryan. I'm Steve. <laughs> it's your boy Stevie. What's up? Fucking suck one! <laughs> <laughs>